It's a time of great victory. Your past does not have to dictate your future. We are on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. God's got something better for you. Open your Bibles this morning to 2 Chronicles chapter 12. 2 Chronicles chapter 12. I want to look at a little story that few people, I don't know if I've ever heard it taught, preached on, but um, I like those kind of stories. I like to look through the Word and find those little areas, those little nuggets of things and, and find out what it's saying to us. And I really believe that this is really um, for us today and for the church today. In Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 9, I'm going to be reading from the, uh, well, this, I think this is from the NIV, this, this part here, but it says, when Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem, he carried off the treasures of the temple of the Lord and the treasures of the royal palace. He took everything, including the gold shields Solomon had made. So King Rehoboam made bronze shields to replace them and assigned these to the commanders of the guard on duty at the entrance of the royal palace. Let's pray today. Father, we just ask that you would uh, bless the word today to our hearing. Lord, that um, uh, we would have a spirit of wisdom and understanding for your word. That, uh, Father, that we could just parallel ourselves in here and, and, and listen in to what the Spirit is saying to us today. Holy Spirit, just uh, speak to us and, and uh, let us know what areas of our life we need to uh, change and, and um, allow you to work in and repair and fix and, and to, uh, to uh, grow in so that we can become more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the dangers of substitution. The dangers of substitution. Um, this year we're looking at a life of victory. We said that God wants us to have a life of total victory, really, in all areas of our life. And we're never going to have a life of victory if we are satisfied to live with substitutions, with substitutes. Think about that. We'll never have a life of victory if we are satisfied to live with substitutes. You know, we've got a lot of substitutes in our life today. We've got sugar substitute. We've got milk substitute, egg substitute. We've got food substitutes. We've got um, all kinds of different things, you know, that that's, if we don't want the real thing, we've got something that we can substitute with. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? Um, and sometimes that's, you know, we have to put up with that. It's not really the best, but we put up with it. Butter substitutes, all that. You know, it's like that one old guy, he uh, was about 87 years old. He finally died and went on to heaven. And, um, you know, all of his life, his wife made him eat just all these special things, and he couldn't have salt and he couldn't have a lot of eggs and he couldn't all this i mean he was on a really restricted diet and he um got to heaven and he said he saw how nice it was how wonderful it was he said man if i'd have known it was this good i'd have got here sooner i could have eaten what i wanted to eat and i'd have to have all them substitutes wasn't wasn't such a bad deal anyway you know um but we'll we put substitutes we got stuff that we can use for the real deal but yet it's not the real deal it's a substitute right you know, sometimes we carry that into our spiritual life and uh, we have to be careful because we begin to substitute things for the glory of God. We begin to substitute, use substitutes for his presence. And as we look at this today, there really is a story within these, uh, this little passage of scripture that means something to us. And it's, it, they didn't just get here to this where Shishak, the king of Egypt, came in and just all of a sudden just decided to take this stuff away. 
It was a process. And also in here, I think that we can find a warning as well. Um, you know, the thing that stands out here, let me just point out a few things and we'll, we'll talk about it, look at some definitions, do a little Bible study here, and then we'll see how it applies to our life. First of all, Rehoboam didn't defend the treasures of the temple of God. He just let them come and get them. Uh, where are we here in, in, in history? Well, you know, after David was Solomon. Solomon became king, and, and he ruled, had a tremendous rule. Well, he, he was uh, wealthy. God blessed him above all other nations. Israel at that particular time was really the, it was the highlight. It was above all other nations of the world, and Solomon was, uh, was the king. After him came Rehoboam, his son, and um, we'll see that there was kind of a, uh, a sliding down, and it started with, with Solomon, and uh, Rehoboam really took it up. You know, Bill Gothard used to say, what's tolerated in one generation is taken to the extreme in the next. And we see that Solomon, toward the end of his reign, um, he began to, you know, because of his, uh, between his wives and his concubines, he had a thousand of them. It was, I don't know if it's 700 wives and 300 concubines or 300 wives and 700 concubines. I don't know, that's a lot of women. And, um, and he began to, uh, was led astray to, to begin to worship their gods. And so there was a downfall, and Rehoboam really took it to extremes. And um, the kingdom was divided. And a lot of times we get confused, like, well, what's it talking about? Israel and Judah and, and the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And this is where it took place. Rehoboam became the, uh, the king over the southern kingdom with the tribe of Judah. And Benjamin was in there a little bit. And then Jeroboam was the king over the other of the northern kingdom but uh let's let's take a look at this you know the the thing is is that when uh, rehoboam when, when these the, the golden shields were stolen he didn't uh, try to recover them he didn't you know reach out for victory and uh you know try to go for victory he, he just accepted defeat i mean he didn't do like jehoshaphat remember jehoshaphat when they were attacked and and they were they were overwhelmed outnumbered and everything else they called and they went to prayer they said let's pray and they said god you know our trust is in you and and the lord worked miracles every time that israel had been down remember gideon you know he was out there trying to grind out a little bit of uh of uh, grain to, for some meal and the angel of the lord came and said hey mighty mountain valor and he goes who me <laughs> and uh so with with 300 men he ended up uh, you know conquering the whole nation there and brought victory god doesn't need a lot to do a lot he just needs us he just needs us to trust in him he just needs faith and he needs us to trust in him and what we're seeing here is rehoboam didn't trust in god and didn't care and so he just said well you know when the the gold shields were stolen he just said let's re he replaced them with with brass with shields of brass and um you know you might be saying well what's the big deal here you know what difference does that make Let's look at a few things. First of all, these golden shields, what do they symbolize? First of all, gold is a type of divine life. It's, it um, speaks to us of God's kingship, of glory. The Holy of Holies was lined all over with gold. All the tabernacle, the, the furniture that was in the Holy of Holies was made out of gold. Everything outside of the Holy of Holies was made out of brass. It was bronze, and, and um, brass speaks of strength in a sense, but more like man's man strength, and it speaks of judgment. It's a place where God judges sin. See, the brazen altar, the brass altar was where they bring the sacrifice, and it would burn that up, and it was to judge that. And, but in the Holy of Holies was gold, and gold speaks of God's, the glory of God, his kingship. And 
A shield symbolizes faith, you know, the shield of faith. It symbolizes faith in the Lord. It also is a symbol of God's faithfulness and how he is a shield over us. The psalmist writes in the 28th Psalm, verse 7, he says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. Uh, my uh, heart trusts in him, uh, and I am helped. So he says, the Lord is my strength and my shield. So it's a type of God's covering over uh, us, and it's a type of his protection. A shield is a covering. It's also for protecting. And so the gold shield represents God's uh, protection over us, his glory over us, uh, in showing that his, his glory is his abundance, his his authority, his power, his wealth, his character is what glory is. And it protects us. It sustains us. And so when Solomon made these shields and he would, they would walk out and they would march out, as he went to the temple, they'd march out in, in front of him and everybody would see these gold shields and they'd say, wow. I mean, you know, uh, look, that's, that represented the, the glory of God and that God was protecting Israel. God was the protection and, and they let him know about it that well Rehoboam said hmm you know that's a lot of money let's just go with brass this time around <laughs> uh, we don't need that you know in fact we can do this on our own he didn't call for uh, a prophet he didn't call for a prayer meeting he called for the shield makers <laughs> and he just gave them instruction you know we don't need we don't need any we don't need God's help you know we can do this we can handle this I mean Israel was at that particular time as strong as it had ever been stronger than any nation and it reminds me of Revelation chapter 3, a church there. If you want to turn to the third chapter of Revelation, beginning with verse 14, it reminds me of the Laodicean church. And dispensationally, we're at that point. We're living in that Laodicean time frame. Of, uh, and, and let's read it and we'll, we'll discover why I'm saying that. Verse 14, as he writes to it, he says, To the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful, hey, there we go, the faithful and the true witness. Remember we said part of that shield talked about the faithfulness of God. He says, um, these, these things say the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of, of God. Verse 15, I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish that you were cold or hot. So then because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say, I am rich, I have become wealthy, and I have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, uh, or that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. In other words, he says, buy from me. You know, come on. You're not walking in divine life. You're just walking in, in the flesh. You need, uh, the, you need gold. You need my glory. You need my character in you. And, and uh, you need to be righteous. Walk in righteousness. Clothed with righteousness. And, and let the Holy Spirit anoint you and that you might see. He's, he guides us into all truth. You need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And verse 19, it says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. So he says, I'm warning you. I'm giving you a warning right here. Because I love you, I chasten you, I rebuke you. And there, uh, therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. Hey, if you, uh, you overcome, you repent, 
and you overcome this thing, this, uh, this condition that you're in, you're going to sit with me on my throne. You're going to rule with me in glory, with my glory. And he says, and, um, just as I, uh, uh, he said, I will grant you to sit with me on my throne. And I also overcame, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. And he says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He said, listen to what I'm saying. This is the condition that we're in today. You know, a lot of people say, you know, well, that, God's good. You know, thank God for what he does. But, you know, we're doing pretty good. We're doing okay. I mean, we're living in a time where, you know, most people might think, we don't need God. I don't need God. Well, I mean, it's a good thing you might need to do and, and uh, you know, find some friends there and let the kids, you know, do their thing. And, but, I mean, you know, I, I, got, I got to take care of business, you know. I, I got to do my thing and and you know i I got a i got a job to 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 take care of and i got my things to do and you know uh i'm increased and and i'm doing well i you know i don't really need anything that's kind of where rehoboam was hey we we got everything we're we got gold Uh, you know we we're as wealthy as any nation and we we really don't need god didn't even think about god to even ask god to intervene didn't even consider him just oh well Let's just go with brass shields this time. You know, those others got stolen. You know, that was a a really interesting time in the history of Israel. Came from David and David's kingdom where he restored, I mean, he established the kingdom, set up the kingdom of God, and and God blessed, and and he handed it over to Solomon. God just, you know, uh, just really blessed through it. And and then all of a sudden it kind of peaked, and then it began to go down. You know, as we look through church, uh, the church, history we can see some wonderful glorious times but you know what we're in kind of some tough times right now we're living in an age a day and age where people are i mean man i, I it's just as i watch television or i see certain shows come on and i'm thinking what what i mean never even think about some of those scenes in back when i was a kid or even 10 or 15 years ago i was watching um it was on the disney channel and uh, it was a, some program, I don't know, they'd come on and they'd kind of sit down, I think, with my uh, little granddaughter to watch this. I think it was called Once Upon a Time or something. I don't know. Okay, we're going to watch a storybook program, you know. And all of a sudden, a char- playing the character of Dorothy, as in The Wizard of Oz, and the other one, I think it was Little Red Riding Hood or something like that. Um, you know, they had this thing and got together, and here's these two ladies. And men, I mean, they embrace each other, and they give this kiss. I'm not just talking about a little peck on the cheek but i'm talking about lip lock for seemed like eternity to me i'm going what and it's like almost every (laughs) i mean it's very predominant anymore of uh, homosexuality and and like to try to um bring it on in so there's tolerance and that that there's an awareness of that in this in the generation that's coming up that that's just the norm and it's like what it's, you know, it's coming, and just different things that we're seeing in this day and age that I would have never thought would, would, would be happening. And, uh, man, I mean, you know, we're living in some perilous times. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he, start, he says, uh, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Perilous times are coming, people. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, 
traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Man, we're there. Brass shields, not gold shields. Having a form of godliness. Oh, hey, it's, it's a shield. Hey, you polish that up real good. You can't hardly, you know, you can't hardly tell the difference between brass and gold when it's polished up real high. I mean, you know, get the light just right. No, nobody really ever know the difference. <laughs> wow. You know, and it all started out by substituting. You know, just, well, that's no big deal. And we begin to tolerate and allow more and more substitutes in the things of God. You know, if we look back, again, I was mentioning a while ago, Solomon, I mean, God blessed him above all nations. Write these references down or turn if you want to. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse, first of all, it starts to talk about Solomon. Chapter 1, verse 11, it says, Then God said to Solomon, because you know, when, when he asked him, what do you want? And Solomon said, all I want is wisdom to know how to, to direct and lead your people for you so that all glory goes to you. God says, hey, you're not asking for yourself or anything. And, and that's what he says, because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you, and I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who were before you, nor shall any after you have the like. That I'm going to raise you up and I'm going to bless you with riches, with wealth, and with honor that nobody has ever seen yet and nobody will ever see again. In the ninth chapter of Second Chronicles, at verse 22 and 23, we begin to see just a little of this. I mean, you can read the whole story there. It's a pretty fascinating story. But it says, so King Solomon surpassed all the kings of the earth in riches and wisdom. And all the kings of the earth sought the presence of Solomon. To hear his wisdom, which God had put in his heart. In 1 Kings, there's a parallel that goes through there in, in Kings and Chronicles. And 1 Kings chapter 10, verse 14, it says, Solomon received 25 tons of gold in tribute annually. And do the math on that real quick. Today's, at today's market, about $42 million or so. Just Now that was just... Uh, that was just in tribute. It says, this was above and beyond the taxes and profit on the trade with merchants and assorted kings and governors. King Solomon crafted 200 body-length shields of hammered gold, seven and a half pounds of gold to each shield. Charlie, you deal in gold? Yet to me, people walking in giving you seven and a half pounds of gold? Last time I checked, I think yesterday, it was uh, $1,286 an ounce. 16 ounces in a pound, seven and a half pounds, $154,288 shield. <laughs> Each, 200 of those. 200 of those. So let's roll out about 30 million right now. Going, that, they'll take the first, first part of the parade. Verse 17 of that chapter says, and 300 smaller shields. These are the shields that is mentioned over there in our text. The, the 300 smaller shields, about uh, half the size they only weighed three and three quarters they only had three and three quarters 
amount of gold on them. So they were you know, only about $77,000 each, you know. Uh, but there's 300 of them, so, you know, they're rolling out about $23 million or something like that. Let's take the parade field, guys. What's that going to cost us? Half a billion, something like that, you know, when time you roll out. That's just in the shields. That's just in the shields. That was just to say, God is our source. He's the one that protects us. You want to come against us? You're coming against God. Here's who he is. All his glory, all his splendor, all his power, it represented, it was represented, it was expressed to others when they saw those shields. But that was just a minor thing. I mean, he, he built the, the temple, then he built the, the palace. Read about his throne that he built out of ivory and gold. He said there was no throne like it in all the world. This thing was huge and uh, just, just the splendor. In fact, it says that uh, Salmo was so rich and, and Israel was so rich that it says gold and silver were like stones. He wouldn't even have a silver goblet or, or you know, glass in, his, in the palace. No, that was too common. It had to be gold. You know, at least, you know, it had to be gold. Couldn't be silver. Not, you know, I couldn't, can't serve that. And it wasn't that he had that particular attitude that he was so good. It was like, this represents God. This is who, this is who this nation belongs to. This is who we serve. Wow. And it said that Solomon stored those shields there in, uh, the house of uh, Lebanon is what they called it because on the palace he built this one part and put all the cedar posts through there. It was really beautiful, and they end up calling it the forest of Lebanon, uh, so to speak. And so there'd be these rows of cedar posts stretched across the edifice and suspended on these posts uh, around close to the ceiling were all these shields down through there. <laughs> oh, wow. So everybody could see when they passed by. Everybody could see them. You might have had a little too easy access to them for King Shishak, how would you like to have that name? And all those shields represented their relationship, the relationship that God had with the nation of Israel and between his people, his protection and his covering over them from danger and from harm, to defend them, to protect them, to secure them from assault or from injury. That's what it expressed to everyone. But Solomon made those. And, uh, you know, they were symbols of prosperity and most of all, they represented God's glory over them. The power of and the prestige which God had blessed the obedience of his people. But the danger of substitutes is that um, substitution leads, will lead you astray. First of all, substitution dishonors God because whenever you substitute, you know, a brass shield for a gold shield, you're saying, oh, well, I mean, you're not recognizing God. You're just, now you're bringing in what you made and you're lifting up that artisan, that craftsman in this brass. And so you're dishonoring God because you're, take, you're removing his glory and you're replacing it with your iniquities. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, listen what happened. But, but King Solomon loved many foreign women. Are y'all freezing? I see everybody's... I think the fans are on. If somebody wants to just put them on auto, it might, might be a little bit better so it's not blowing on them all the time. But here we go. So he says, but, everybody say but. King Solomon loved many foreign women. You've got to watch them foreign women. 
I remember when I was younger and, and this old minister said to me, he said, son, when God wants to bless you, he'll bring a woman into your life. <laughs> bless me, Lord, bless me. <laughs> and he says, when the devil wants to curse you, he'll bring a woman into your life. <laughs> Uh-oh, <laughs> how are you supposed to know? He says, you better be praying. <laughs> Pray for the right one. Solomon, I guess, couldn't make up his mind. He says, but King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh. Now, see, he married Pharaoh's daughter first, and he had these alliances, these treaties. And, you know, Solomon expanded the kingdom way out as far as it's ever been. He had access to ports, and so he had trade going and, and just all kinds of money coming in from those different things, plus people giving him gifts coming to sit in his presence and listen to his wisdom. And so it says that he, he loved many foreign women just as much as he loved the, the daughter of Pharaoh. It says women of the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, and the uh, Sidonians, and the Hittites. Any of them sound familiar? That's where all these women were from. It says, verse 2, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Quote. But Solomon, it goes on to say, Solomon clung to these in love. Everybody say clung. Hey, like the new, that's the new King James. He clung to those in love. Don't, now, don't you clung to her. <laughs> he clung to these in love. And he had, he had 700, here we go, he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines. And his wives turned away his heart, for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to this world. What happened to Solomon? He began to be conformed more to the world and the world around him. Substitution leads you astray. Number three, substitution costs more than you're willing to pay. We think that, you know, well, I'll get this substitute, and that might be better. Save me a little bit of money. And have, have you ever done that? You thought, well, you'd go with the lower price thing and end up costing you more than if you'd have done it right the first time? You know what I'm talking about, you know? And it's like, oh, wow, what did I do that for? You know, it usually costs you more than what you're willing to pay. In 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 9 through 13, it says, So the Lord became angry with Solomon. Uh-oh. Because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods. It says, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. You know, sometimes kind of forget where we come from, you know. Sometimes we ought to watch out when everything's going really, really good. Sometimes the devil just say, go on about your bad self. You know, so you're always thinking about, well, the devil trying to, you know, well, he, he got another plan. Maybe he's just going to let you go ahead and just let all these other things happen. And so then our mind gets all caught up in all this stuff. And before we know it, we've kind of drifted over here rather than drifting here. Hello. Because we've got all these other things to do. If people didn't have other things to do, they'd, this place would be packed out. We'd be putting up more chairs. Uh-oh. Amen, walls. <laughs> right? I mean, think about it, because there's other things to do, and other things that are more important, and pretty soon the Lord, I mean, he's important, but he's not that important. If he was that important, we'd put him first, but if we don't put him first, then we're saying he's not that important. We're substituting things for his position. Isn't God supposed to be first? 
But when we put other things ahead of him, we're saying that we're substituting these things for God. But we don't think about it, really. We don't think that we're actually substituting something else for God, but we are. When I got mad at some people in church when Sandy and I first got married, I said, fine. I'll just stay home. I can watch television. There's some good preaching on TV. There's a lot of some praise music. I can just put that on, and I can just have my own worship service. I'll fix me up some brass shields. (laughs) (laughs) Who needs any of them gold shields anyway? Brass shields are just as good. That didn't last. I don't know if I even did that. I don't know if I ever stayed home on that while I was in rebellion. Why? Because it never works out that way, does it? Because then other things begin to substitute. I substituted other things and events and people for that time that I should have been given to God. And I was most miserable. Therefore, the Lord said, verse 11, the Lord said to Solomon, because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statues, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. Everybody say Jeroboam. Just remember that. Just kind of hang on to that. Verse 12. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father, David. I will tear it out of the hands of your son, which is Rehoboam. Verse 13. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son for the sake of my servant, David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. And we know now, later on, we don't have time to read all that, but that's exactly what happened. You know, there's an old saying that says you pay a high price for low living. How many of you can testify to that? You pay a high price for low living. Yeah, we're going to go out here and party. We're going to party. Before you know it, you got a DWI you're going to court for. I mean, that, that one party just cost you a whole bunch of money, right? Oh, we don't have time to go in. Y'all all know about that. That one to preach itself. And we begin to tolerate more and more and more. And that's exactly what Solomon did, and God said, that's enough. You know, you, you have taken what I gave to you, all the blessing and all the glory that was mine, and you have, now you've taken it for yourself, and now you've left me, and you've turned to other gods. And he says, so I'm going to tear the kingdom out of your hands. He said, well, just for the sake of, of David, and because he honored me, I won't take it out of your, tear it from your hands, but I will from your son. So it wasn't very much longer, just a few years later, that that actually happened. And uh, then Rehoboam was declared king and um there was quite a um there's a lot of commotion going on there see what had happened was uh solomon had appointed uh jeroboam to be the chief superintendent over the forced laborers they had a lot of stuff going on and you know and so solomon ended up having to keep this kingdom going had to have things built so they had all these forced laborers that they would uh have to do their stuff so he he saw that jeroboam was a you know a bright young man and so he appointed him it was jeroboam was his servant and he appointed him as chief superintendent over this and so what had happened was then jeroboam started thinking you know hey i could be king i, I could be king and he kind of began to circulate hey you know if i was king i wouldn't be working you like that if i was king i wouldn't have the taxes of this if i was king you know and so he began well then solomon heard about that and so he set out to to get jeroboam so jeroboam hightailed it to egypt and he found refuge in egypt with a guy named shishak King Shishak. In fact, Jeroboam uh, fell in so much with him that he married his daughter. So now Shishak is uh, Jeroboam's father-in-law. Do y'all remember Shishak from the first verse that we read? He's the guy that came in and stole the gold shields and everything else. Not just the gold shields. That was just the icing on the cake. He took all the wealth 
from the palace and from the <laughs> all the different things there. He loaded up, you know. Uh, so what was happening all this time when Solomon was going after other gods? Well, the devil's in there working. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so now then, when Rehoboam's declared king, they send word, hey, Jeroboam, come back. We'd rather have you as our king. And so they come back, and they confront Rehoboam. And they said, you know, if you would just lower the taxes and make this a little bit better now, we don't need all this stuff. You know, we'll serve you. He said, well, give me three days to check this out. He said, I'll, I'll, seek, I'll, I'll think about it. He didn't say I'll pray about it. I'll think about it. So he sought the elders, and the elders said, no, you know, you need to, you know, need to make an agreement here. You don't, we don't need to have taxes. You lift the burden from these people, and let's all get along. And he said, hmm, well, you know what? I don't know if I like that advice or not. So he says he went to his, the younger people his, uh, of his, his friends, instead of his elders, he went to his friends, and they said, no, you just tell them, that they shouldn't even talk to you like that. Because now, see, they're going to be king with, your, with Rehoboam. They shouldn't even talk to you like that. You know what, you need to just tell them, hey, I'm going to make it twice as bad on you for even bringing that up. And so that's exactly what Rehoboam did. And so then they went to war, and ten tribes went this way, and two, well, one and a half went with Rehoboam, and they had war all the rest of the time of those kingdoms. And... So about five years into this thing, in fact, um, the scripture where it says that, you know, Rehoboam, he, he um, really, he just forgets about the Lord completely. And I mean, he's really intoxicated with this prosperity thing and, and with licentious living. And he's just, he's living it up. And he, he leads his people into idolatry and um, immorality. And, and they just fall, they plunge further and further away from God. And... Um, you know, they just really turn their backs on God. And, you know, they begin to just like, we don't need God. And just like that church in Revelation 3, you know, hey, you know, I'm rich. I'm increased. I've become wealthy. And I have need of nothing. They don't need anything. They don't need God. don't need anybody. don't need anything. And, you know, the scripture makes it real clear in Second Chronicles chapter 12 that as a result of this abomination and apostasy, that uh, at a time when Judah was um, physically the strongest of any kingdom around, that the judgment of God marched right into Judah on the back of that horse with a man, and a king named Shishak, and he came to, uh, God allowed that and he used that to bring about his judgment. In Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Now it came to pass, meanwhile back at the ranch, came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself, didn't say strengthen, it says strengthened himself, that he forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel along with him. And it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, the king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem because they had transgressed against the Lord. You know, su uh, substitution dishonors God, it leads you astray. It costs you more than you're willing to pay. And then sometimes substitution, you get, you usually get what you pay for, right? You, you, you usually get what you pay for or you reap what you sow. So all this substitution is getting ready to catch up with him. Verse 5 of chapter 12 of Second Chronicles, it says, Then Shimei, uh, or Shimeiah, I should have left off the ayah. Shimeiah, the prophet, came to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah who were gathered together in Jerusalem because Shishak uh, had sa and said to them, Thus says the Lord, You have forsaken me, and therefore I also have left you in the hand of Shishak. God says, 
You want nothing to do with me? Then fine. Okay, that's fine. We're doing all right. We're doing all right. We're above everybody else. We're okay. God says, you don't need me? Just go about your bad self. See, you know, in, in Revelation chapter 6, we see these four horses come in. We see a white horse come in, and that's the Antichrist. See, people reject Christ, so you usually get what you, whatever you reject, you get the opposite, right? So you get the Antichrist. You reject the Prince of Peace, here comes a red horse, war. You reject, uh, Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. You reject abundant life in Christ, you get famine. You get the black horse. You reject the, the, uh, the bread of life, you get death, the pale horse. You usually get, if you, when you reject God, whatever you reject, then you get the substitute, right? And so that's what God was saying, okay, fine. You put all these other things up, and you've left me, and here you've substituted all these things for me, then fine, you go ahead. You go ahead and deal with it then. And verses 7 through 8 there in 2 Chronicles 12, it says, My wrath shall not be poured out on Jerusalem by the hand of Shishak. Nevertheless, they will be his servants, and they, uh, that, that they may distinguish my service from the service of the kingdoms of the nations. So I'm not going to let him, you know, pour wrath upon them because that's reserved for me but i will let them be his servants so they can say you can you know they thought serving god was so bad and they left him and so they could do a better job themselves just said then fine then you know what just try this out see how you like it under somebody else see how you like that people i'm telling you that's what god does today you you know we think well, you know, uh, we, we're doing pretty good, and we more, you know, we're really seeking God, seeking God when things are tough. But then, when things kind of get good, then hey, I can handle it from here. I can kind of okay, God, I can handle it from here. Oh, really? So now, now when things are going good, you don't need me. Well, then fine. Then I'll just let you handle it. Uh oh. Uh oh. I've been there. I found out real quick. I don't do near as good a job. Wow. Substitution also then brings hypocrisy. In verse 9 of that 12th chapter of 2 Chronicles, it says, When Shishak, king of Egypt, attacked Jerusalem, he carried off the treasures of the temple, the temple of the Lord, and the treasures of the royal palace. Man, I mean, that's a lot. It says, And he took everything, including then the gold shields Solomon had made. Verse 10, Then King Rehoboam made bronze or brass shields in their place. And committed them to the hands of the captains of the guard who guarded the doorway of the king's of the king's house. And whenever the, in verse eleven, and whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guard would go and bring them out. Then they would take them back into the guard room. I don't know if you remember or not, but a while ago when Solomon made them, and when he would go out, they'd come back and they put them into that into the palace there. You remember the the forest of Lebanon and hang them all up so everybody could see them? No, no, no. So what? Rehoboam was saying, now, okay, now things are bad. He came in, uh, the king Egypt came in and took all the spoils. They took all the, the stuff from the temple, from the palace. I mean, we're left with nothing, and they even took the shields. So we'll make some more shields so the people will think that we're still strong. Let's make them out of brass. Maybe they won't know. And so when they go out, they still, you know, shined and glittered and everything kind of looked like gold. So when he brought it back, he didn't put them out for everybody to see. He had the guards put them in the guard room so nobody could tell because he was thinking, I don't want anybody to know that these are shields of brass. Hello. Isn't that kind of the way it is in our life? 
We begin to substitute certain things, but we still carry on like we don't want anybody to know. You know, and we still, he was going to the, when he would march out to the temple. Oh, now you're going to go to the temple? But now, so he's carrying on and he's looking good. And, you know, we can look good. We, can, we got that smile. We got that handshake down, you know. We can do that thing. And we do, shields of brass. But we're looking like we got shields of gold. Don't look too close. Oh, you know, we're doing fine. Oh, man, praise God. Praise God. Yeah, and out here living like the devil. You know, walking through church looking fine with the shields of brass. Everybody thinking they're shields of gold. But you're out here living like you want to because there's, you're not living for the glory of God. Hello. Hello. I'll never forget, I was working for Rock Island Railroad, and was, this was on the evening shift, and so they'd kind of have a break, and so all the switchmen would come in, and they're at the yard, and we'd all kind of get together and, and come in and play cards, play poker, and, uh, you know, and bet, we're, we're betting money and all this stuff, and, and so at that time, kind of got back in church because Sandy was going to church, you know, so I'm going to church with Sandy, and I joined the choir. I'm singing in the choir. And, you know, that church had a TV program, and, and the choir, we're on television, you know, singing in the choir. So sitting there playing poker, and, and one of the switchmen said, hey, I saw you on TV the other day. I said, what you talking about? Yeah, up there singing, singing for Jesus, weren't you? Go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't know anybody was watching. Didn't think about it. Well, I'm thinking, oh, boy, hmm. What am I drinking over here? What am I, what am I doing here? Uh-oh, got caught. Got caught with my shields of brass. <laughs> yeah, that ever happened to you? You know, I remember having a talk with the Lord, or him talking to me. And, man, I felt, oh, I thought, wow. What, was, what I was thinking about was, wait a minute. Yeah, that's me, but that's not everybody else there. Don't judge everybody else there by what I'm doing. But you know what they were doing? They just thought, I'm the only one that they knew. I represented that church. I represented that choir. So as far as they knew, everybody else was just like me. Hello. How you doing, like Christian Center? How y'all doing? That's why we don't have bumper stickers here at our church. <laughs> I'm serious. Because I know how I get sometimes when I'm driving. I'm thinking, uh-uh, I don't know what no bumper sticker on saying like Christian Center. I sure don't want, you know, because I've driven around and said, somebody cut in front of me and says, I won't say. Across that, you know, such, such church on them. What are they doing, man? <laughs> and so I thought, you know, if, if the people of the church kind of like me when they drive, we might not want to be telling everybody what church we're from. <laughs> Uh-oh, they see our shields of brass. Substitution brings out hypocrisy. Because either you're going to get, sometime you're going to get caught. You know, I... I this is a strange story. I mean, I don't know. Have you ever heard anybody preach on Shishak and the shields of gold and the shields of brass? The thing is, is that uh, why it mentions those, I think it, that, that's what stood out to me. If he stole everything else, I mean, there's a whole lot of other stuff, you know. Really, these shields of gold were kind of like just fringe. But what they represented was God's protection. God's blessing, his prosperity upon them, even in their shields. That showed the glory of God was what was ruling and overseeing them and protecting them. And God had blessed them. And so the shields of brass said, Man, God didn't, we don't need God anymore. We'll do it ourselves. We'll do it ourselves. Hmm. You know, and the question here, really, that we really need to look at is... Uh, is there a warning in this passage for, for your heart, for my heart? 
Is there really a warning that comes out? I think there is. Is there a warning for substitution? You know, I think about great men and women of God who've fallen. I won't name any names, but I remember when I was back at Oral Roberts University back in 85, I had gone back to the university there in 85, 86, 87. There was a lot of turmoil in the church. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some televangelists were being exposed for a lot of things that was going on. And, and I thought, you know, what happened to the dedication in their life? What, what happened to consecration uh, and, and commitment? What happened? I mean, did you just wake up one morning and, and, this, and, and you're there? No. Solomon didn't just wake up one morning and leave God. He began to marry one, another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and another one. And it's little by little, this little process of why we begin to substitute here. And we substitute this for our relationship with God, and we substitute that, and then we'll substitute this, and we substitute such and such for our time with the Lord in prayer, and substitute this with our time with the Lord through reading his word, and we substitute this, and pretty soon we're substituting this for our time that we're supposed to be spending in the house of the Lord, and oh, I don't know, y'all ain't getting this. I, I, wish, I wish some of y'all, you know, I, I, I've, I've carried shields of brass. I guess y'all had never carried any shields of brass. And all of a sudden, you just see this, and the golden shields are gone. You know, it's all over the news. You know, all this stuff's going on. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, but I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. I've come that you might have gold shields and, and have, be blessed in my glory, be with you and go before you. But the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, and he does it subtly. And he, oh, this, this isn't so bad. Man, did God really say you couldn't eat of that tree? I'm just, I mean, all the other trees, what's the difference? Yeah. Oh, he didn't say you'd surely die. I mean, you're not surely die. You won't die, die. But they died spiritually. They didn't die physically. Hello. Is there a warning? Do we hear a warning today? If we can't hear it from Revelation chapter 3 or 2 Timothy, that we're living in perilous days, you know, maybe we need to take a look back and see that I don't care who you are. You can be the wisest man on the face of the earth and more money than anybody else. And hello, you ain't watching. Satan will pull the rug out from underneath you. I remember reading stories about these people, and I thought, man, if David fell, if Elijah got discouraged and he was about to commit suicide and all this stuff, who am I? I mean, I need to really watch out for myself. Because look at these guys. I mean, he got to them, surely get to me. And I just said, you know what? I don't want to, I don't even want to get close to that because if I do, whew, I mean, look, there's been a whole lot better men than me go down. So why should I even try? Why, I mean, why don't we want to get close to that? People, we can't let our guard down and you sure can't accept substitutes. You know, we just get distracted by the high life of materialism. You know, well, it's my turn now. And, you know, in Revelation, Laodicea means rights of the people. Rights of the people like democracy. But democracy, you know, um, that's a great way to run a government in a country. But God didn't design it to run a church because people, we get to think in along our own line and people's rights and say, I got a right to do this and I got a right to do that. Well, pretty soon you're fighting because of either Tim's rights or my rights. And so it's like, well, I've got a right. Well, who do you think you are? I've been here longer than you have. Well, yeah, well, I did such and such and this and that and whatever. Well, you know, here we go. And you see how all this, 
is it, it just you get envy and strife paul said and division is among you and so here they are you know they're just uh people's rights and so all these people remember they rose up and they told rehoboam now this is the way it's going to be and he said no it ain't and they said well then fine we'll go ahead and start our own kingdom and they did they started their own kingdom so they're over there doing their thing and so rehoboam he just well then i'm you know i'll just do it my way and forgot all about what god was doing when when god was doing it it was the highest it had ever been everybody was working together but you know what you better watch out because we get distracted and here comes a little bit you're like you know i've been doing such such now it's time for me to do this well i've been serving god i gave him this and i did that and, whatever, and now it's time for a little bit of me hello a little bit of me So, you know, sometimes um, we just begin to adopt mediocrity. You know, we just want to just, you know, just kind of settle in. You know, I, not to get all excited about it here, you know, but I'm not going to, you know, I'll still go to the temple with the brass shields. So we're just kind of settling for mediocrity, which could be translated as lukewarm. Kind of lukewarm. And you know what, church? And church... <laughs> around the world that's where the church around the world is you know oh yeah we talk about revival we want revival we want gold shields we want all that back but you know what <laughs> are we willing to get there the way that you know david fought some battles and he paid the price to to get the all that wealth to be able to build the temple and and everything you know and oh, you know what i fought long enough it's time for me to sit back and just relax a little bit and you know so we know we just get distracted by some things and we allow ourselves to be controlled really by the evil one, just like puppets. And we don't know it, but that's what's happening. You know, and we wake up one day and say, what happened to the golden shields? What happened to them? Is there a warning somewhere in this? <laughs> you know, maybe back in the recesses of our memory, somewhere there, can we think back, you know, it seems like it was only yesterday that, uh, you know, the, the walls of your soul were displaying the shields of gold. You know, just to, you remember that? You remember those times, that time at camp or at retreat or, or wherever? Or it was like, you know, you got on fire for God and the glory of God was there and you're displaying the golden shields. And, and it's a great time. It's a wonderful time in your life. And all of a sudden you kind of look back and it's like, oh, where's the glory gone? And we're just dragging along. I mean, what? those shields were heavy. I mean, that was just the decoration on them was three and a half pounds of gold. You know, but the rest of it was pretty. And so, I mean, you know what? You get tired of dragging around. It wouldn't be so bad if it was a gold shield, you know, and all that stuff. Yeah, look at the gold shield here. <laughs> I'm a shield bearer, you know, for, for the king. But you're dragging around a brass one. Pretty soon it's like, you know, this thing's heavy and it don't, it don't really mean anything because it's just a brass shield. And so sometimes we just get wore out and... Brass shields will just wear you down, and pretty soon we just settle in for mediocrity, lukewarmness, and we just kind of carry out our business. Seems like the shining light in our heart has dimmed, and we just wonder, where has it gone? Our commitment has lessened, and we begin to substitute things in our life you know like uh just giving in you know rather than taking a stand and you know what's it's not worth it anymore it's not worth that uh, 
to, to exercise that type of effort and energy. And, you know, it seems like that, um, you know, it did, when we wake up, it didn't just happen overnight. It, it, it was a process, and so we have to be careful. Uh, this lady, Ellen White, she writes, the work of the enemy is not abrupt. It's not uh, at the outset sudden and startling. It begins in small ways. The neglect to be true to God, to rely upon him wholly. You know, can do that. Small invasions, she says, little inconsistencies, neglected devotions, flirtatious small talk, feeding on trash, impure thoughts, unholy desires that are cherished, and the soul is contaminated, our integrity is compromised, and another shield is gone. You know, yeah, there's a warning here someplace that we need to listen to and be careful because Shishak today would be the thief who comes in to steal, to kill, and to destroy. It's a warning about life's desperate tug of war that's going on all the while paul said uh, the spirit battles against the flesh and the flesh battles against the spirit he said oh wretched man that i who who shall deliver me from this and he said you know i thank god that in christ through christ and it's in him getting back in him and and allowing his glory to cover us that's the secret place of the most high is his glory in him i live and move and have my being when i get out from him and i walk in brass shields i'm walking on my own strength my own flesh my own thoughts my own will i'm walking in iniquity where i need to be over here walking in his glory under his direction his kingdom first Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he says. And all these things will be added to you. He'll take care of you. He will protect us. He'll be that shield that comes around us and, and watches over us. But, you know, there's that warning, and it's a warning about the ever-present danger of losing our gold shields because Satan doesn't want us to be shield bearers. He just, just settle in, you know. And it's okay, you know, you can go back and forth to church with your brass shields, but then do what you want to the rest of the time. Second Chronicles chapter 12, verse 10, then King Rehoboam made bronze shields in their, in their place. In their place. You know, whatever the losses are in our life, wherever we failed, sometimes we try to put on this front. And we don't ever really get right with God. We just kind of go on and there's these wounds that are there and we cover them up and, and we just kind of put on the front and we give a smile, a handshake, I'm doing fine, that's a brass shield when we really need to come to God and allow him to heal our hearts and and to work in us and to repent before him and let the glory of God come back on. But now your Rehoboam said, you know what, just, just make, some, make some other shields. You know, I think the, really the, the saddest thing is is that it wasn't that, that he did it, but he was satisfied with it. And that's the point of where you get to. It's like when we get to the point of where we're satisfied to, to carry the, the brass shield, to, to substitute the brass shields for the gold. He was satisfied with doing that. It's like, you know, well, who cares? Who cares anyway? You know, when you get down to it, it's like, well, who cares about gold shields, you know? Uh, why do we need those anyway? Who cares about the glory of God? Who cares about all that? I got my own thing to take care of. We'll just have brass shields now. That's good enough for, for God. That's good enough for the church. That's good enough, whatever. You know, I'll just do this and do that. That's good enough. That's good enough. Hmm. Maybe over the years, the gold shields have been traded in as down payments, <laughs> on success and materialism and compromise and pretty soon we're we're substituting compromise for commitment we just have to be careful you know it even happens in churches and it's going to happen more in this day and age that we're living in you know where programs of men are substituted for the power of god 
and the church marches forth to battle and they're carrying the brass shields and you know we substitute ritual for spiritual we've got to be careful about that we can do it individually we can do it as a church as well but there's a warning here and it's a tragedy when we substitute brass for gold and it's just settling for that brass. I think that, that's the thing as I began. He says he put it in their place. Rehoboam was, he's satisfied for the substitution. Um, you know, again, hey, you know, in the shadows of life, brass looks almost as good as gold. What difference does it make anyway? But we never have a life of victory if we're satisfied to live with substitutes. You can't ever have a life of victory. You, know, you might fool some of the people and they say you can fool some of the people some of the time, most people most of the time, but you can't fool God. You know, I'm sure that those soldiers, when they marched out, everybody's looking, oh, look, there goes those, those soldiers, those shield bearers, the golden shield bearers. And so they're look, walking, and from a distance, you know, the sun hitting it, and they polish that brass all up, and it looks like gold, but, you know, they know the difference, and, and the king knows the difference. And when they get back and they hide them back in the guard room, nobody else can see it, you know. They, you know, somebody else might think that. You might have fooled somebody for a little bit of the time, but you know what? Somebody's going to find out about it pretty soon. You're not fooling anybody, but yourself. So I guess here's the question. Is the temple of your soul still adorned with the golden shields? Or you know, has the passing of time made way for brass to substitute for the gold? Where are you? you know, is that good enough now? Where one time we were, there was a hunger and a thirst after God, a hunger and a thirst after his righteousness, but now, you know, well, that's good enough. It's like, can we go ahead and get out of here? You know, it's like, I got other things to do. Hmm. We used to go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Of course, in between, we got there early in the Sunday evening to do whatever youth services and then um, choir practice and I don't know, they had roll rank, all kinds, you know, whatever meetings you're in, then you have service at night then you had uh you know we had bible classes on monday night tuesday nights and then wednesday night was uh, church and thursday night was cell group meetings and friday night was witnessing and and saturday was all day evangelism and the bus ministry and and then saturday night was uh, a prayer meeting everybody came and and the worship team led and then here we go sunday again it's like wow but you know what i look at that and i thought wow well you talk about some gold shields seeing some things happen and change in people's lives I, you know there was times when you get up to get up to lead worship and and the spirit of god would be going and all of a sudden just people just i mean the power of god would be there you know you read about the priest who said that that the shekinah glory the glory was so thick that the pre, the, the uh, ministers the priest couldn't even get up to to minister I remember one time that we were, I was leading this worship service and uh, it was in Tulsa as I was associate pastor there and the spirit of God was just moving and it was just, I mean, it was, and I thought, I don't know if anybody else is getting this, but I was, I wasn't really paying attention. I was just worshiping the Lord. And so I thought, well, hey, I need to go pray. I just want to get before the, the Lord. I'm going to turn this over to the pastor, you know, so I can just go find me a place to just get in the presence of God, this, the spirit of God, the anointing, the glory of God was so thick. And I turned around and turned it to Brother Scott and I looked over, he's laid out on the floor. <laughs> I'm thinking, well, thanks for letting me know. I could have been laid out on the floor, too. I've been struggling with this thing, trying to you know, keep it going. So I'll, somebody come here so I can go you'll get before God. I mean, I thought, oh, okay, what do we do now? I thought, you know what, forget it. I'm going to go and worship God and everybody just worship the Lord. Didn't matter. You didn't have to have formality. You didn't have to have a, an agenda. It was just the Lord moving. But, you know, sometimes we, we, 
we substitute compromise for commitment and carnality for consecration and excuses for obedience. But you know, I hear a warning here. And when he says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, that's a warning. And people, we've got to be careful because we are living in those days of perilous times. We're living in that day, that Laodicean age. And we think that, you know, sometimes we've got to do a little bit extra, you know, in his presence to make sure that we're not allowing the thief to come and steal from us and to rob from us that time that we need to have, not just when we come to church, but throughout the week, our time with the Lord. Because what's happening? Something's happening. Our, that, that joy of the Lord, not our joy, but the joy of the Lord, where is it? Is it leaving? And so then we, we kind of rely upon Sunday morning to try to get something to, to give us some strength to get through the week. And then, you know, we hit Wednesday night, and that might help a little bit, but it's kind of like, whoa, you know? And it's kind of like these new electric cars that are coming in that they're putting, trying to put, you know, they, don't, they can only go so far until you have to be charged up again, you know? And I said, I ain't buying one until I can get to Dallas, <laughs> to my sister's house at least. I won't be stuck somewhere around Madisonville or something, you know, sitting out there with, you know, no energy. That's kind of the way it is, with, you know. I, if I can't get to Wednesday night, what am I going to do between Sunday and Wednesday? You know what? We better be able to have something that can charge us up, and that's the Holy Spirit. How's your prayer life? How's your time with the Lord? How are you spending that time with the Lord every day? Then we ought to be coming to the house of the Lord, you know, to where, like Peter and John, when they were on the way to the temple, and, and uh, the guy stopped them, and, and he said, Silver and gold have we none, but such as we have give unto thee. I don't have any money, but I got the power of God in my life. And they were on their way to church. If we came to church pumped up, full of the, the power of God, I want to tell you something. This thing be laying over. <laughs> I mean, you know, hearing from God. Because we're just really almost to the point of where we get enough of the presence of God to be able to maybe come back Sunday evening. But I don't know, man, by that time, I can't even imagine coming to church on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. Can we not, we're not even getting enough from the Lord to be able to want to be back in his presence again. I'm not saying we're going to have more services, but I'm just saying, people, we got to be careful because we're living in a day and an age of where it's like, it's like Satan is just sucking the spiritual energy out of people. You know, when you do a new construction and you get a new wall and they put texture on it and all that stuff, that, that fresh texture. I grew up, my dad, was a, he built houses and I started painting before I can even remember, I, I think I was still crawling. But, but I remember, you know, blowing that new stuff, he goes, man, what happened to the paint? <laughs> I mean, it just sucked it right out of there, you know? And, and you just couldn't get enough. And so you got to learn to be able to put a coat on and, and seal that up so that you can put on the, the coat that really means it. It's like it's just sucking it out. It's sucking all the paint away. You know, where you could get by on this wall, we could maybe paint a gallon of paint so far, but, you know, if it's fresh on there, if that, if that's, that texture's on there, it's going to suck all the paint away. You know, people, we're living in an age where it's like that that's just sucking all of the stuff that we have away. We don't have enough to make it on down the road. It takes more. It takes more spiritual energy in today and the society that we're living in today just to get through the news <laughs> to get through some of the programs that maybe we're trying to watch or whatever i mean that'll suck all the spirituality out of you it takes all the the, the grace of god that that we have it seems like just to make it through the day or the people that you have to work with or whatever you know what i'm talking about so what are we going to do we got to find a time with the lord more than just here you know you got to have a time a daily time with the lord 
If you leave yourself to yourself, you're going to be carrying brass shields around. Hey, you know, I'm doing great. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're frustrated. You know, you're fighting this battle on your own. You got financial problems. You got health problems. We're fighting this thing on our own. The devil's beating the snot out of you. And we just can't feel like we can ever get on top of it. So, you know, don't carry a brass shield around. Say, man, pray for me. (laughs) I need some prayer. That's how I'm doing. I'm I'm walking in victory, but (laughs) I'm hanging on. Is that is that a bad? No, it's not a bad testimony. It's like when we got we need one another. We need one another. Don't just like, oh, I don't. You know, they stole something. Put some brass shields up there real quick so nobody knows about it. You know what? When we we need each other, and then we need to reach out to people that are around that are hurting. I mean, we need the the the, the anointing of the, of God to be able to go to work. So that that light shines out of us to the people that are in need there, that they see something in us, that they can see the gold shield, that they say, you know what, whatever it is, you know, something's different about you. Well, you know what, God's my source. In other words, that that gold shield is his protection, his provision. He helps us through the difficulty. It's him and his glory that gets us through. So when people see you, they're like, how do you do that? How do you make make it through that time, Tim? How how did y'all make it through all that? Well, prayer and, and the body of Christ and, and the word of God and, and getting in his presence and, and gold shields. That's how you make it through the thing. Gold shields. Boy, brass shields, they won't make it very far. Not very far at all. We've got to pray. Let's just pray together. Show us in each one of our own lives right now areas of where we're making substitutes. We're just trying to get by and... Maybe we don't feel like we've got enough spiritual energy to cover all the bases. And so we, we try to put all of that into one area and the rest of it just going to have to do with brass shields. Lord, help us to realize that we don't have to, it doesn't have to be that way. Your grace is sufficient for us. That we come to you and let us be more like Jehoshaphat than Rehoboam. Where we come and we just say, we lay it out and say, Lord, unless you help us, we don't have a chance. We don't stand a chance against this vast army that's coming. But our trust is in you. Our trust is in you. God, to get back to the point of where, that's what David knew. That's how that kingdom came about because he didn't look about somebody else's strength or how big the giant was or, or, or not. He didn't rely upon a brass shield. He relied upon you. And you took a, a slingshot and made it to be a powerful weapon you can take what's in our hand and use it. When, when our trust and our expectation is in you, that's what those gold shields represented was that our faith, the shield of faith that we have is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his glory and his power and his abundance in his character, who he is. Lord, let us get back to that, that our eyes are upon you, that our trust is in you. If you've been discouraged and maybe you've been knocked down and you feel like it's hard to get back up, let me tell you something. Put your trust in the Lord today. Look to Him. Trust in Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. You don't have to try to figure it out. Don't start making a brass shield on your own, trying to figure it out. What am I going to do? I better get some shields in here. I better get a brass shield up here before something else happens. No. You know what? 
go back to the Lord. Let him provide the gold shield that will protect you. Don't substitute compromise for commitment. Make a commitment to the Lord and stand with it. Stand strong. And he will undergird you. You'll see gold shields come about. Don't substitute carnality or fleshly living or living for yourself for consecration. Consecrate yourself unto the Lord. Live a life of holiness unto him. Don't substitute excuses for obedience. What's God saying to you? you know, excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got at least two of them and they both stink. Excuses. Don't substitute excuses for obedience. What's God saying? Obey him. That's how David got to where he is. That's how Solomon got to the point of where the highest of the kingdom. But when he stopped obeying, that's when things fell apart. Lord, help us today. Holy Spirit, search our hearts today. Know our ways. Show us where we have brass for gold, where we have substitutes for you, God, where we've made concessions in our life, where we've backed up and where we've put other things in place of you or in front of you and we've moved you on back to the side off to the side where we've even in spent money and for things and everything else rather than following a commitment to you and coming to the house of the lord and honoring you with the wealth that we have the first fruit of our increase honoring you and knowing that you're the one that prospers us getting back for gold shields rather than brass shields Search our hearts today. Know our ways. Nobody looking around this morning. It's just between you and God. You're saying, God, there's some areas of my life I need strengthened. I'm, I'm coming back to you right now. I just, I want gold shields in my life. I want your glory. I want your direction. I want your kingdom first in my life. Not my kingdom, but yours. Just to, to the Lord, just your hand up and down just to him nobody looking around but just as a sign of saying god that's me today work in my life you know sometimes we put a lot of things before god be careful be careful i can appreciate chick-fil-a at least they say you know what we're going to close on sunday it doesn't matter and yet i go in there can't hardly get a seat the rest of the time god blesses them six days they get make more than anybody else makes on seven days if you put God first, he will bless you. People missing Sundays to go do this and do that and do whatever for their whatever. You better be careful. You better be careful. I'm just saying the day that we're living in, people, we can't afford to be putting anything ahead of God. You better put him first. There ought to be a warning here somewhere that goes off and says, you know what? I'm not going to step out of line. It's not, I'm not talking about for your salvation. I'm talking about for his protection over you and his abundance over you and his, that gold shield over you, his glory in your life. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, if you're here this morning and you're not sure that you've received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you've never given your life to him and received him as your Lord, 
if you're not sure that you're going to spend eternity with him, why don't you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure that I'm a, a child of God. I, 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 know, I know who he is, but I don't know if I've really committed myself to him. I've never personally accepted him. I'm not talking about just knowing or hearing about him, but I, have you personally said, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior? Anybody here this morning? let's stand this morning let's join hands had a little history lesson I guess this morning the word but I sure hope you caught it I hope you caught it let's pray together fathers we just join hands together today we we need you if we've stepped out of line, we need to get our eyes back on you. We need your covering and your protection, that gold shield in our life. Lord, forgive us for where we try to do it ourselves, where we try to take care of ourselves, or where we've put things in front of you, where we've, put, we've substituted things for you and for your time and for uh, the love that we should be given to you, the the uh, talent that we should be given to you, the finances we ought to be given to you, all the things that we should be giving to you, forgive us, Lord. And, Father, I pray your blessing upon this church. I pray, Father, that you would just make each one of us to be witnesses for you. Holy Spirit, just anoint us, go with us when we go from this place, that people would see Christ in our life, that they would see gold shields in our life, and that they would want what we want. Father, give us opportunities to minister. Give us opportunities to pray with people. Give us opportunities to, to just be able to listen to the brokenhearted and to be able to, to help them to come to you and to, to be able to trust you for the needs in their life. Father, show us how that, that ought to be our desire. Lord, let us be, as the psalmist said, give me souls for my inheritance. <laughs> let that be our desire. Father, let your blessing be upon your people right now, Father, as we go from this place. I thank you, Father, that we are blessed and cannot be cursed. Father, we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. I thank you that no weapon that's formed or fashioned against us, it can't succeed in its intended purpose. Every assignment of the enemy is broken in the name of Jesus. And Father, your blessings rest upon us now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you today. Thanks for coming. Amen.